0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan. And guys, do you hear that? Do you hear that faint sound in the background? I think I know what it is, Brendan, and it's the sound of brooms sweeping across Wrigley Field as the Chicago Cubs sweep the St. Louis Cardinals out of Wrigley Field. They send them one game under five hundred in a wonderful series at Wrigley Field. So we will take you through those three games. We will break down everything that happened there. We had Craig Kimbrell throw his first bullpen as a Chicago Cub. We will touch on that a little bit, and we will highlight certainly another masterful performance in a growing list of them, guys, for the professor, Kyle Hendricks, who dominates the St. Louis Cardinals once again on Sunday Night Baseball. But Brendan, I want to bring you in right away here Because we talked about how the Cubs are headed out west to play the Rockies, to play four in Los Angeles with the Dodgers. And that is always a tough trip for any team and in really any sport coming from the Midwest or the East Coast. And for the Cubs to go six and one. On this homestand, beating the Angels on Monday, taking two of three from the Colorado Rockies, and then sweeping the St. Louis Cardinals. What an effort from this group, uh, on this homestand prior to the heading West. Exactly
1: what they needed to, right? I mean, we always circle that West Coast trip because they do give the Cubs so much trouble for them to go in to Wrigley, take two out of three from Colorado, win that Angels makeup game, and sweep the Cardinals ahead of This trip is huge, Corey, absolutely huge. And I got to say, this might be the first time they've won a game on like a dress up getaway day. I cannot remember the yeah. last time they actually did that uh, ahead of this one, which, which is the John Lester getaway
0: day, dress up oh, day it?
1: as John Lester. Incredible, incredible, Corey, what we saw there.
0: Yeah, guys, I, I gotta tell you, um, they, this might be peak Cubs content. I'm not, I'm not sure. I think so. I, I think so. I'm not sure we're gonna get better than this because this was just incredible. So if you haven't seen this yet, uh, boy, are you in for a treat. I am I, not sure how you avoided this, but you're in for a treat. So go <laughs> on over to at Cubs on, on Twitter or Instagram. You can check out a lot there. I shared a few on our Instagram at Cubs underscore related. Have some at, at Uh, Cubs insider on the real Cubs insider handles. So you should be able to find it. But basically, you know, we've seen these theme trips before the the, they just did the basketball jersey one, obviously the famous one with the uh, the onesies uh, when Jake Arrieta threw the no hitter in Los Angeles. So you know, we're, we're certainly familiar with these. But the theme for today's trip tonight, Sunday night as they head west was John lester and the best part brendan and really the thing that that needs the most attention here is that i i believe almost everybody took john lester as the theme to mean you know a nice pair of slacks a a big belt with a big buckle john john's you know big on that very uh, big buckle yes yes uh a sport jacket of of some kind a collared Maybe shirt plaid, you know And a cowboy hat or a Western hat. I'm not sure if there's like a proper term for that, but a cowboy hat. Most of us would think of if we said the phrase cowboy hat. And almost everybody just dressed up like that. That was how John headed to the plane uh, i'm looking at a photo of chris bryant here looking very dapper in this particular very sharp, outfit. of course yes. though you know i gotta be honest with you like good luck finding an, a theme trip or an outfit style that chris bryant doesn't figure out a way to look very good in uh but almost everybody took the same exact approach in 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 that kind of look except for one anthony rizzo And Brendan, I said this to you before we got on, but there are a multitude of reasons that Anthony Rizzo is the captain, uh, the unofficial captain of the Chicago Cubs. There are many reasons that he deserves a statue at Wrigley Field, but this is the icing on the cake, folks, because Anthony (laughs) Rizzo shows up in cowboy boots, American flag shorts, an American flag, like the, just the star portion jacket, a short sleeve sport jacket and John Lester's own sunglasses, the aviator sunglasses holding a six pack of Miller light and mm-hmm. a box of fried chicken. Ladies and gentlemen, this <laughs> is, is the is best it. single piece of Cubs content I have ever seen. And Brendan, I, I told you, they're they're not when they get home from the road trip, not after his career's over. No. I need a statue of Anthony Rizzo at right Wrigley now. Field right now, tomorrow, Monday morning, what would it as be you up? guys are listening to it, it needs to be going up. Corey, what would it be? If you had to design your perfect oh, that's Rizzo Come statue. On. That's easy. What is it?
1: It's what, easy. Come on. Yeah, it's the last out of the world series with the hands in the air. Yeah, I know. With like the, with the face like, oh my god, we did Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I yeah. don't know. I feel like, you know it's not as obvious, but him putting his hands over his head, uh,
0: saying "Oh my God" after Zobrist's yeah.
1: double—that's a close second. I wouldn't be opposed to that. I mean, I that think one, like the, we've
0: talked about it before. The like typical Anthony Rizzo—I just hit one of those uh, towering home runs, kind of yeah, lean back that he does. That's a good one at Wrigley. Those are always good. But guys, for him to to go this direction to reference the fried chicken thing from John's time in Boston to come right out with the six pack of Miller Light. <laughs> Uh, This is unbelievable. And the picture that the Cubs tweeted, he's like on the phone in this pic. He's got his, you know, big wristwatch on. This is electric content in so much as a picture on Twitter can like burst off of your phone or computer screen. This is absolutely incredible. And I I'm I'm floored, really. But Brendan, I, I have to ask you. So again, if you have not seen these pictures, head on over to At @cubs. They tweeted out pretty much everybody, not the whole team, but but the the bulk of them. So you kind of get the idea. But Brendan, I I need a quick top three of of your 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 favorite of these uh these outfits on on the John Lester theme trip. Number one,
1: Pedro Strope. That's a slam dunk right there. Yeah. So if you haven't seen this one either, go, go find it ASAP. Yeah. So Strope is, <laughs> Strope is wearing a like bejeweled Chicago Cub like necklace. Okay? Yeah. Amongst like what? Two other like. Whatever, $1, that $1, i will tell analysis. you brendan
0: a, a little inside <laughs> baseball here uh i confirmed with pedro i've joked on here before that i dm him on instagram because he follows us and that that is a true statement and i confirmed with him once in spanish i i sent him a message you. asking him is that chain a a bear to represent the cubs and he responded yes it is uh, i love so it. little 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 inside <laughs> uh note for you there but then he has three buttons or four buttons all
1: the way, t- all the way down just to highlight that cub. And he has, of course, the big belt buckle. Giant he's got, belt. you know, yeah. black and white contrast. Pedro's looking sharp. So he's number one. Number two, you gotta go with Rizzo the captain. This is high quality costume right there. And number three, kind of a wild card is Kyle Hendricks. He's wearing a huge belt buckle. Yeah. And anytime you put that guy in like a cowboy hat, he kind of looks like Woody, I feel, <laughs> I feel like. And he just, he fits the entire, uh, the, the entire theme so well, I think. So yeah, I got stroke number one, I got Rizzo number two, and I got Hendricks number three.
0: I, th- I think that's fair. I- I'm putting Rizzo number one just because I was, again, I, I-, I was blown away by it. And a- and as they were going through the day when we figured out that it was going to be a John Lester theme trip, I think we got tipped off to that because uh, Carl and Hayward had posted, you know, kind of like previews on the- on their Instagram stories. So we kind of got the idea that this is what they were going to do. but. I was wondering, like, is everybody just going to show up in a cowboy hat? Like, I wonder if anybody does something related to the Red Sox or, you know, Camo, like, you know, kind of the, the the John Lester the Hunter vibe or anything like that. John Lester the so Hunter. So Rizzo nice coming point. with this is n- is number one for me. But you're right. I Like, this picture of Strope is all-time content. I mean, on, yeah. content. I, I mean and, and what's funny about that, too, is that When we heard that it was the John Lester thing, honestly, I think the predominant sentiment, like amongst at least like the people that I follow or just the mentions that I saw on social media, was like, oh my god, I can't wait to see what Pedro Stroh pulls out for this. Just because, you know, he's kind of the... Electric fashion guy on the team. Believe by
1: stroke, man. He's the only cup to have his own fashion brand for a good reason, too.
0: If you've taken our advice and follow him on Instagram, you're well aware that he brings the heat with the fashion on on a pretty much daily basis. So. It was just funny though to see how many people were like, okay, this is great. I love John Lester, but I need to see what Strope is going to do here. Uh, so I would go Rizzo, Strope. And then like I said to you before, uh, Jose Quintana posted a picture kind of really posing, like almost like a magazine shot, seeming like before he headed to the ballpark looked really good. And I, and I, I think I'm going to throw, uh, I'm going to throw Jose there, there at number three, Carl. Posted a video of him uh in his outfit dancing to Old Town Road, so that is certainly, you know, gonna get him bonus points. Javi, again, similar to Chris Bryant, like you couldn't find a theme that they don't rock <laughs> just the absolute hell out of. So, you know, I think Javi's up there as well. But uh I I, I think I'm gonna throw Jose Quintana in there as a little bit of a dark horse. But I, look, Strope is insane. the the the, this (laughs) outfit just absolutely insane and like you mentioned he there's definitely less buttons done on the shirt than are open so that's you know obviously big points for that but this Rizzo thing man I I am the fried chicken I I was like in tears looking at this at at dinner as I was looking at these pictures come across so that's the John Lester themed road trip I, I I love it and uh this is, this is one of their best. I, these are always great. These theme road trips. And you're right. Coming Brendan, off the sweep, too. I mean, it can't be any more yeah.
1: perfect. I mean, come on. It's yeah. Like, it's, it's a perfect world for the Cubs right now.
0: I, I do wonder. I, I wonder if they let John have total control of the music on the airplane. If we're just going straight country out to Colorado or if we're you know kind of divided up in our, our our sections as normal but uh you know Rizzo would not allow that though you know Rizzo
1: I, I believe yeah, Rizzo's is a, a resident a, DJ so that's yeah. not probably happening
0: well you know I'm just saying it's a John Lester theme trip everybody's in cowboy hats I didn't know if you know they'd get on there and it would turn into uh you know a, 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 hoedown or, or whatever goes on. But, you know, look, like I, I've, I've been to the, uh, Old Crow Smokehouse down on, on Clark Street. So I, I, I kind of understand, you know, what, what goes oh, on yeah, with country it. music. Yeah, sure. But, uh, yeah, anyway. This was great stuff. You, you don't have, you don't have to sell me on a John Lester themed anything. I'm in. I'm all in. Uh so yeah, th- this was absolutely fantastic. You're not going to
1: mention your own picture? I mean, come on, Corey. If you, you go you to my Twitter, picture, you got to
0: mention it. If, if you are so inclined, you can go to my Twitter at CF Cubs related. I I did my best to participate. I don't own like a legit cowboy hat. Like buy the book or well, you know what like what these guys are wearing but i did my best i i, I you know had a, a western-ish shirt i thought you looked pretty sharp it gave me a chuckle so i, I think participated that, you know, yeah i mean yeah, look I think if we're doing a john good. lester themed trip i'm in sign me up that you that's know, if i knew ahead of
1: time they were doing this i would have been amazon primed a hat i just don't have right. a cowboy hat that's my issue
0: right yeah so all in all uh this was a good sunday Folks, the, the Cubs sweep the Cardinals. Then, you know, like you said, Brennan, it, I, I, I don't remember it. Like if they literally have never won on the getaway day for one of these themes trips, but it certainly makes it a lot more enjoyable when these pictures start rolling across, uh, to, you know, have it come on, on the heels of winning three games in a really, really good homestand. So let me run through, uh, these games real quick. And, you know, then we'll get into kind of obviously like the the meat of our discussion here. Again, I think, uh, the, the the you know, we'll talk about this sweep and, and just the context of all of that and uh, take a, a particular look at Saturday's game. I thought that that was a, a really big game and one that we'll focus on a little bit. And obviously, Kyle Hendricks, there's a lot to talk about there. He has been on some role and certainly against the St. Louis Cardinals. So we will delve in a little bit more there. But just to, uh, you know, kind of set the stage and inform that conversation, conversation uh, uh just a quick run through of these games the cubs winning 3 to 1 on Friday another really good start from Cole Hamels uh he was lights out in this game 8 innings 3 hits no earned one walk and 10 strikeouts he goes to 5 and 2 on the season strope gets his sixth save of the season hamels era now sits at 3.24 we've talked about this before but man did that move workout for the Cubs, not only trading for him and his performance down the stretch in the 2018 season, but ultimately deciding to pick up his option for the 2019 season. He has been unreal for the Chicago Cubs since coming over, and Friday was no different. And the Cubs getting their runs in this one, Javi Baez, his 16th homer, of the season, another oppo shot to right field, and a Victor Caratini double. Those are your three runs for the Cubs. Uh, A major hat tip. We talked about this, I think, uh, especially the night that he broke that or fractured that bone in his hand, but major hat tip to Victor Caratini for the job that he is doing. Uh, we were, you know, admittedly, we've already admitted this, you know, not big fans of not going out and getting a more veteran backstop for this team coming into the year. And Victor has been fantastic, both in catching, receiving his relationships with the pitchers that he works with and on offense. So a major kudos to Victor Caratini for the job that he is doing and seizing the reins of that backup position. Saturday, which we'll, uh, you know, maybe get into a little bit more than the other games. The Cubs winning nine to four. The Cubs fall behind in this one, four to nothing. A 36 pitch first inning for John Lester looked to, you know, not be shaping up to be a wonderful night at Wrigley Field, but John shuts it down completely. From that point on, he follows that first inning with five shutout innings. His total line on the evening, six innings, five hits, four earned, two walks, and six strikeouts. But he follows the first with five shutout innings, and the Cubs offense scores nine unanswered runs for him to get him his fifth win of the season. He improves to five and four on the year. The uh, big hits in this game, the Cubs chip away. They do respond in that first with two runs. Uh, Javi and Wilson driving in runs there. In the bottom of the third, they get it to within one on a Javi triple for another RBI for El Mago. In the bottom of the fourth, Kyle Schwarber with uh, what appears to be a growing trademark for him, Brendan. Uh, On the 11th pitch of an at-bat, Fouls off six pitches in this mm. at bat and then rips a game tying home run yeah, into the bleachers. Crushed in right field his 12th home run of the year that made it four to four in the bottom of the fourth the big blow in this game the aforementioned victor caratini a bases clearing double to drive home three runs that made it seven to four kyle schwarber followed with a double of his own to make it eight to four and an addison russell sack fly in the seventh made it nine to four but again this was just one of those games i think that we talk about that really really catches your eye as far as this team is special to respond to that first inning uh from lester's perspective and from the offense's perspective was really impressive and and we always say like i think kind of really telling of the mentality the fortitude and just uh the approach of this team to okay we're down four to nothing fine Like, we got a long game here. Settle in, St. Louis, because you're about to get blown out. Like, literally, you're about to get blown out, even though you're up four to nothing. So that was a really impressive game for the Cubs on Saturday. Again, we'll we'll circle back to that after I tell you about Sunday. And Sunday, it was all about the professor once again. Kyle Hendricks picks up his seventh win of the season. Look, if he is not heading to Cleveland for this All-Star game, it is a crime. Okay, yeah. he has never been an all-star, and that ends in 2019, folks, right now, okay? Yeah. He improves to 7-4, and four, seven innings, eight hits, one earned run, no walks, and three strikeouts. For Hendricks, his ERA on the season sits at three. The Cubs getting their runs in this one. They took a lead in the first inning on a Rizzo groundout. The Cardinals tied it in the top of the second. The Cubs would add two in the bottom of the fifth on a Bodie single and a Kyle Schwarber double. Kyle would add another RBI single in the seventh to make it four to one. And Cargo, Cargo, we go with his first home <laughs> run of the season like with the Cubs, his third overall on the year to make it five to one. And that would be all she wrote. Pedro strope, cowboy hats to the left, folks, picks up his seventh save of the year and the Cubs sweep the St. Louis Cardinals who you hate to see it, Brendan. Fall. Hate to see it. To a game under 500 and man, rough night for the city of St. Louis. The, uh, Bruins, did they also win five to one? I think that was five to one too. What really? really? a night for the Look city of Chicago. Chicago they lose yeah. game six of the Stanley Cup finals and the Cardinals sent to a game under 500 at Wrigley Field. So, Brendan. I I want to talk about Hendricks, but first I do, since we're coming off the recap, now that that's over, I do just want to circle back and get your thoughts on that game on Saturday, because I think for multiple reasons, that is a game that stands out to me, and maybe more so than most games we've seen this team play on the season. For John to throw 36 pitches in that first inning, give up two bombs, like he, he got hit hard in that first inning, give up four runs, teams down four to nothing. And for him personally to respond the way that he did to get through six innings after you throw 36 pitches in the first inning is really impressive. So for him to be able to get that length there and not make them dip into the bullpen, great, obviously, but he totally shut them down after that first inning. I, I, I think he said after the game, I don't think they had another hard hit ball the rest of the game after that first inning. So totally shutting them down. And the offense cashes that in. And the job that they did against the Cardinals starter Flaherty who has been having a really good season, but he doesn't even get through the fourth inning. He only goes three and two thirds. They had run his pitch count, I think near 60, 70 already in the third inning. They get two right back in the bottom of the first inning. They get one in the third and then one in the fourth, like chipping away, getting themselves back in it. And then once they were into the St. Louis bullpen, they blow the door open on this game. Just a really impressive effort from this team to stay within their approach and know, fine, it's four to nothing. Like, we've got nine innings here to get back in this game. We know that Lester is going to get back out there in the second inning, lock things down for us, and we're going to take care of business. And they absolutely did. And and for a game to start as poorly as that did, to end with a blowout, like, and, and by the Like, they they score the four runs in the bottom of the sixth inning, so the last few innings there, you're coasting to a victory really impressive from this Cubs team.
1: Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required.
2: There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax oxygen system is here. Doctor approved, clinically Tested at home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to hypermaxoxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? Hypermaxoxygen.com. That's hypermaxoxygen.com. Well, I'm watching that Lester game too, and the
1: first batter, first two batters, I thought he looked decent. So For him to give up four runs in that first inning was a surprise to me. I know he got hit hard, and I know he got behind a few of those counts, but I thought the stuff looked good, and he was just missing on a few of those pitches. But for Lester to rebound like that, we've seen him in the past implode kind of in the first few innings, not because he's not you know, all there, but he just doesn't have his stuff that day. Lester had his stuff, and for him to get past that first inning and to rebound the way he did it sort of reminded you of 2016. I I I hate comparing this team to 2016 for a few reasons, but it is nevertheless like the 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 benchmark I guess that you compare most teams to. It reminded you of that year because the Cubs did that frequently. They would get down, but it never felt as if they were totally out of the game. But one specific reason why I thought that was very reminiscent of 2016 was because the Cubs faced Flaherty, what, five days ago, six days ago, whatever it was. For them to basically destroy him through 60, 70 pitches in three innings, that is what that 2016 team did. And that is why they were so successful. You look in that World Series, once they saw Kluber for the third time in like 10 days, guess what happened? They They What did happen, Brendan? They won the World Series, Corey. They won Game 7 of the World Series after Ah, seeing the same pitcher for the third time. So that's what I mean by that. The Cubs, when they are exposed to the same pitcher, whether it's the third time through the order or multiple times in one week, more times than not, they tend to perform well. And I think seeing that happen in Saturday's game, Lester's comeback and rebound was encouraging. But the fact that they just – they overwhelmed Flaherty, right? They overwhelmed him to the point where one through eight, everyone hit. Schwerber was two for four. Bryant was one for five. Rizzo, one for five with two walks. Baez, one for five. Uh, One through
0: through nine, Brendan. John Lester took a walk in this game, okay?
1: (laughs) Actually, no, you're right too. And then Caratini came in. He had a pinch hit double to drive in three. So, yeah, that is – what you saw so consistently when the Cubs were at their best and when a lot of those same guys who I just mentioned when they were at their best in their peak, not only last year in 2017, but also in 2016 as well when they saw the hitter or the pitcher multiple times they had success. So that's why I'm most excited about that, that win. It's not the fact that, oh, they came back for nothing, but it does show what this team is capable of when they face someone multiple times and two, when they're down. This offense is no joke, Corey. This offense is better than last year. It is better than 2017. And the Cubs put emphasis to fix the very issues that gave the Cubs these wins this weekend. And that's why it's so encouraging.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and just to, you know, kind of close the book on that, in, in the three and two thirds against Flaherty, he throws 96 pitches. So they work that count up. I mean, that's it right there. Yeah. And they also score two runs each on Bravia and Gantt, two relievers out of the Cardinals bullpen, both who came into this game with sub two and a half ERAs. Gantt, even after giving up two runs to the Cubs, was at 1.64 on the season for his ERA. So these are two guys that have been doing good work out of the bullpen for the Cardinals, and the Cubs were not having it. So... Uh, yeah, I, I I did just want to focus on that game a little bit because I think just for a variety of reasons that was a a really fun Saturday night at at the ballpark, a, a rare Saturday night at Wrigley Field, uh, and another national broadcast for us to to suffer to through. I, I'd be curious. It seems that the answer to this is the Sunday night crew, but I I would be curious to hear from all of you guys uh, which broadcast you prefer the least. Uh, which one is yours, Corey? it's sunday it's honestly yeah, it's, sunday. it's 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 not close a is
1: brutal joe buck doesn't really worse. bother
0: me as much as he used to i feel like both broadcasts fall into the same problem which is when they try to get too, too much analytical. into their little stories yeah. and their little anecdotes it sends things off the rails and and that's to be expected like we're obviously just so used to Len and Pat Hughes, who are tuned into the, the the Cubs and, you know, know these guys on such a detailed level, like all of us watching every one of these games, that when you start to hear these national broadcasts going off on these weird stories and tangents that make it very clear they don't pay attention to these teams every day, it's it's rather annoying. I really don't like John Smoltz uh, because he's just one of these, like, the game of baseball was better back in my day kind of guys, which You can have that opinion if you want, but it's not particularly productive for the broadcast. Like, we're watching today's game, so cool. If, like, you you know, they played baseball differently in the 90s, like, that's not really a useful um, opinion. But, man, like, that Sunday broadcast, that ESPN broadcast is just not good, man. I, uh, like, I, I... yeah. If I had to listen to one, I would take Joe Buck and John Smoltz. But I, I do wonder if people uh, might disagree with me on that. But again, as I told you guys before, I don't have to listen to either of them for that long. Sometimes, depending on the room I'm in, I do. But otherwise, I have 670 queued up on my phone and I mute the TV. You know, sometimes you got to pause it with the DVR or whatever. But That's can, so much effort. you though. can figure it's worth it, isn't it? I get it. But like... Oh, Bro, so... on both of these broadcasts, no, the I mean Cubs for Saturday, I just overlaid it on We're on playing on Saturday and Sunday night. On both of these broadcasts, they spent at least five minutes talking about Christian Yelich. How does that even happen, Brendan? <laughs> like he's not playing in this game.
1: Yeah, got to advertise future games. I don't know. I don't. <sighs> look, I hate it. Like, anyway. I listened to Pat and Ron on Saturday night, but like. I was blacked out with my MLB TV account for Sunday night. I don't have, like, the whole Bluetooth speaker thing. So for me to set right. it up is a pain in the butt.
0: Yeah, no, um, that's fair. I, you just yeah. got to suffer through it, man.
1: I suffer through it. The I mean, things I,
0: we do for love.
1: Ah, sometimes. I mean, I listened to game six of the World Series on mute. I just could not take smokes. I mean, (laughs) I swear, I swear, I'm not even joking. I swear to God, the first five innings, right when that grand slam was hit by Russell, I turned it on because I wanted to hear what they were saying. But I listened to the first three innings through mute. No problem whatsoever. I was fine with it.
0: So I just wanted to talk about that Saturday game. I just thought a really impressive effort all around for a wide variety of reasons. Uh And, and you know, and obviously that's not to say that the Friday and Saturday games didn't have their merit as well. But I, I think Saturday, a, a very interesting game to highlight. But I, I do want to transition to the professor, Kyle Hendricks, because mm-hmm. this was a phenomenal effort from best. Kyle yeah. on Sunday night. And a, a couple things that I, I want to read. Uh, for you here, there's a lot of really fun, Kyle. If you, if you're a, uh, Kyle Hendricks stat person, Sunday was a really cool day because there, every, every other tweet I saw from somebody, I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. But one, uh, that I put out there on, on the Cubs Insider account at real Cubs Insider His two starts versus the Cardinals in 2019, I think obviously, uh, you know, for a Chicago Cubs starting pitcher, looking at what they're doing against a top division rival. Always of note, he has started against them twice in 2019. He has not walked anybody in either of those outings. Obviously, he has the complete game shutout. Nine innings, four hits, no runs, three strikeouts, no walks uh, on that first visit to Wrigley Field for the Cardinals this year. And then on Sunday night, seven innings, eight hits, one earned, three Ks, and no walks. So total in the two starts against the Cardinals this year, 16 innings pitched, 12 hits, one earned run, six strikeouts, and zero walks. That's what we call getting Mm. it done, folks. That's how you do it. And the Cubs official account tweeted out uh, one of these numbers that in Kyle Hendrick's last 10 attempts— Against the St. Louis Cardinals, the Cubs have not lost a game. I believe that's ten and O, Corey. If ten and O checks out yeah, in his 10 last ten starts against the St. Louis Cardinals. That is
1: unbelievable. That's got to date back to what twenty sixteen, right? Maybe like three starts a year. That's 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 wild. He has not lost to St. Louis in maybe three to four years. The Cubs
0: have not (laughs) lost. Well, so he hasn't obviously. But I I just meant he didn't pick up the W in in all those games. He didn't pick up the loss either. But you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. That's crazy. Yeah. No, I I thought
1: I thought he looked spectacular. I think just every start since the early
0: portion of May, he's looked. I, I think his best self to be to be quite honest yeah and- so I I have a number on that from uh our frequent stat guy again I I really can't recommend following Chris Kamka enough I I like to mention that every time just because we use his stats a lot uh, so I do want to make sure that people are, are following him and giving him that engagement that we all crave on social media at C Comka, C K A M K A. He's with NBC Sports Chicago. And he tweeted out, I think this probably lines up exactly with what you just said, Brendan. Uh his last eight starts, 58.2 innings pitched. He has a 1.99 ERA. He's allowed 42 hits in those 58 and two-thirds innings, just six walks. Six walks in his (laughs) last eight starts with 50 strikeouts and a 0.818 whip. Guys, Hendricks is on one.
1: And I think Hendricks is like almost in playoff mode, Corey. And and I mean that quite literally, too, because we're seeing Hendricks throw upwards to 90 miles per hour. We, We did not see that from Kyle until like September last year in August of 2017. So it's, <laughs> I mean, it's feasible to think that, okay, Hendricks is looking like his best self. It's only June 9th, the Cubs rotation is doing all this, and it's hard not to get excited about what could be. And I think for for any of the other pitchers on the team, the one guy I'm most comfortable with expecting Productivity going forward is Hendricks. It's, it's not a knock on Lester. It's not a lock on or a knock on you know Hamels or Quintana or Darvish. It's just that when you look at Hendricks and when he's throwing ninety mile per hour wiffle balls on the outside corner of the plate with consistency now over the past month, you think okay, that's twenty sixteen Hendricks. That's the same guy that shut down Los Angeles in Game 6 to win the pennant. It's the same guy who started Game 7 of the World Series. That's who Hendricks was, throwing 90 miles per hour at times. And one reason why, I think, is his extension. So the point at which he lets go of the ball near home plate is similar to what it was in 2016. So you can make the argument, hey, his mechanics are similar to his optimal self. And that has not happened this early in the season since 2016. That has got to get you excited, Corey, because there's been a lot of stretches in the last two years when, there, when there's been genuine worry about Kyle Hendricks. I don't think that's there right now. And I think for the first time in three years, this could be. A similar season to what he put up when he was what second in Cy Young voting that one year?
0: Third. I, um, I think
1: Lester was ahead of him. <laughs> Lester yeah. So I mean it's it's crazy to think that far be it from me to make that correction, <laughs> right? Yeah, of course. But that's that's why I think I'm so encouraged, Corey, is just because he has the same type of stuff we see early on um this this early in the season
0: that he's had in the playoffs recently. You gotta be excited about that. Yeah, I mean he he is absolutely dialed in right now and we talk about it all the time, but he's he's just exceptionally fun to watch pitch. I say this all the time, but I I John Lester is my favorite baseball player of all time, but I don't know that I love watching really anything in baseball more than when Kyle Hendricks is on and they actually have the pitching ninja who we mention here all the time on the ESPN broadcast, and that is actually one part of the broadcast that I like, because they show some of those overlays that he does, where they overlay two pitches at once, and you really just see that illustration of why he is so difficult to hit, the, the variety of the same pitch that he's able to throw with just little s- slight differences, little bit different movement, little bit different velocity. And you just start to understand why he's so difficult to hit. And, and that's actually one part of those broadcasts that I, I think make sense for the national audience where, you know, you have a guy like A Rod or whatever say, you know, I know some of you at home are looking at this, going, This guy's throwing 88, 89, 90, and he's dominating these guys. He's sawing these guys off. He's breaking bats. Like he's getting all this hard contact. And we can illustrate why that is. And it's just so fun to watch him do his thing and and there is Little that gets me as excited as when you see, you know, these guys like Ozuna, Carpenter, Goldschmidt, etc., taking those swings where they are so off balance and just so off on on what he is throwing because they're thinking they're seeing, you know, call it a sinker and it's a changeup, and they are just not close. It it just gives me so much joy to watch Hendricks do his thing, and I'm I'm obviously excited by what you're saying and you know you you tweeted out that that velocity graphic that you know his velocity is picking up earlier than it has before because you know we've just seen him turn in some incredible seasons and if he is this locked in this early and on a run like he's on it's it's going to be a big season for him, but I, I I do think that at the very least he needs to be an All Star. We can talk about like the Cy Young stuff as we How get. Does that work for further down years, the season? Honestly, like you, I don't know. I you think can't they vote him in, right? It. I thought they changed it so that maybe you can. Honestly, I don't know. I think you guys know we're not big All Star game people. But, no, not a uh, All Star game. right now. Pretty much, th- this is the type of stuff that we do care about with the All Star game, though. I think we always say this that like we want the players who really care about this stuff to have those moments, to be able to have those moments, have those... It's like Wilson Contreras last year, Absolutely. He was in tears behind the scenes when he got that call. So it does mean something for these guys. That we are into. Uh, So I'm all for that. And, you know, like a lot of these guys have been all-stars before. Cargo was making that joke that, you know, he's played with the Cubs before because he was on the 2016 All-Star team, which was (laughs) predominantly just Cubs. The entire infield was the Cubs, yep. Yes. And that, you know, that does make sense. Sense, Brendan, because the, the 2016 Cubs do go on to win the World Series. So they were yeah, the they best do. team World in the league. series. Yeah. So it, it lines up that they that would have a lot up, of all stars. Yeah. yeah. But. For someone like Hendricks, he, he hasn't been there before. So I think that's, that's something that, you know, we'll probably focus on as, as we go forward here. But obviously, if you have the time, you should be voting, uh, for, for the Cubs. Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Wilson Contreras, Anthony Rizzo, I think for sure are, are deserving of, uh, those spots. And hey, if you just want to vote all Cubs, uh, I'm not going to complain about that either. But, Staying with the starting pitching, just because we were talking about guys on good runs and especially against the Cardinals, I do want to read one note from Tony uh about Cole Hamels. And since I was talking about it in that recap, his career line as a Cub in 25 starts after that first game here in this Cardinals series, a 2.81 ERA, a 1.15 whip, whip of course walks and hits per innings pitched. 148 k's in 154 innings he also tony goes on to say has a career 0.41 era and 0.59 whip in the three starts (laughs) against the st louis cardinals while wearing a cubs uniform guys like this is not to uh say something you know just purposely negative about the guys that the Cubs gave up for Cole Hamels but they didn't give up top guys they, they didn't give Eddie up Butler yeah they, they gave up Eddie Butler and a couple cool. low-level yeah. uh guys uh I think uh Roley Lacey and Alexander Ovaez and like to get the performance that they have gotten out of Cole Hamels that was an absolute steal for the Chicago Cubs and I I think we we talked about it at the time like that it was such a low risk move, you get him out of that ballpark in Texas, which is one of the most hitter friendly ballparks in the league. And you know, you just try to tap into, you know, I think you in particular, Brendan, were, were on him from the beginning, just because his V load looked good. His changeup yeah. had that kind of trademark movement. But you know, you needed to figure out why was the ERA not not working so well in Texas outside of the ballpark, etc. And man, like, could this trade have worked any better? Like, we we look at some of the moves that Theo and his front office have made over the course of these years here, and uh, he's only been here for, you know, not even really a full season yet in in terms of just, like, sheer days, uh, you know, as a Cub. But this has got to be in consideration for a a top, you know, sort of-ish, top-tier move that that this front office has made simply because the cost to acquire him was so low or, or at least like negligible to this overall status of the organization obviously in comparison with some of the other moves that the cubs have made where you're giving up major prospects right and yeah. his performance is amazing at this point
1: that is where that veteran presence, that veteran mindset comes in handy. Because unlike the Cardinals, where Flaherty is a young guy, 23-24, second time facing the same team, he gets shelled for Lester, for Hamels. They don't have to go through that same type of adjustment phase. They know what they need to do. And for Hamels, he was throwing wicked change-ups, throwing 93, 95-mile-per-hour fastballs, That is the same guy who you expect to see going forward. So this entire series does give you more confidence for future series against this team or just future big series because these are big time moments. And sometimes you don't want to extrapolate too much from these early seasons or early series. But at the same time, this is why you feel comfortable with this rotation because you know Hamels has that World Series veteran experience. lesser has been there, of course, multiple times. Hendricks, the same thing. And Darvish's pitching playoff series as well with success, with success. There's a lot to be excited about for the rotation because they have the experience, the mindset to back up their talent. And you saw where it does come in handy when you face teams as frequently as St. Louis.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, again, I think we remain pretty bullish on on this rotation. And it's always amazing, you know, even as you were speaking strictly on like deep playoff experience. So I know why you didn't mention him. But it's amazing that you can have that conversation and not even mention Jose Quintana, who's been phenomenal this year. And again, I he he doesn't have it. You know, he was with the White Sox for most of his career, so it's no wonder. You know, I love Q though. I know I've been giving Q tons of credit every episode, right? But I'm just saying that's what's so exciting to me about this rotation is you can zero in and say, let's just talk about how good you know, in particular, like Hamels and Hendricks were, and you're not even talking about other guys guys who would be top of the rotation arms for other teams. So that that's yeah, what's so great about this rotation is that it is deep one to five, especially if Darvish can stay on this path of, of good starts that he's on here. But I want to transition, uh, you know, maybe just a couple quick topics here and then we'll, we'll get ready for this West Coast trip. Uh, but I want to read another stat from Tony Andraki of NBC Chicago to circle back to a conversation that we had a little while ago, which was uh, Schwarps in the leadoff spot and he has another big game on Sunday night and uh, Tony goes on to list his stat line in all of these games since he uh, jumped up to the leadoff spot in the Cubs order a slash line of 258 349 562 so that is good for a 911 OPS he has 16 RBIs and he scored 20 runs in 23 games but, Brendan, I, I know—I I think of—we were pro-Kyle Schwarber in the leadoff spot when they first did it in 2017, just on, like, the overall merit of Kyle's game. And I know in this particular season, when they made this move, you were way bullish on it. Like, I'm always into it, but I don't think— Many people were as hyped as you were to see Kyle get back up in that leadoff spot. And in 23 games, I mean, a 9-11 OPS, I, I, this is like my new thing now, but that'll play, guys. And and I think that you're you're seeing just the feel of the offense when he's up there at the top and able to start things off. You get KB. Rizzo, Javi, like right in there. It's uh, the, this offense has that kind of relentless feel to them, and you know we're we're obviously still playing you know positional platoon battles with some of these other positions uh, as it relates to uh, other Cubs. But Kyle really is kind of staking his claim at the top of the order here. Yeah, and that's why I liked it so much too, but for that for that very
1: reason. Where you start the game off with Schwarber and you go straight into KB Rizzo and Javi, right? So. I, I like the feel of how it looked, and at, when the season started, I was more so on the hey, let's go with with Zobrist at leadoff, and Descalso can be any good. Flip flop them back and forth. So it wasn't as if hey, Schwarber's my number one pick. But when Zobrist went down, that's when it started to click, and with with Schwarber in particular taking so many pitches early on, and his improved contact rate, which could be a good or a bad thing depending upon what you look at. I like the feel for it. And in, in these last two weeks, Schwarber was talking about some of the changes he made. He's He has a lower follow-through. He was, I guess, talking to uh, the Sunday night crew about. And so that's that's kind of cool to see. So he's making another adjustment. But, but overall, the feel for what Schwarber brings right when the game starts, that's what I'm talking about, where you can work deep at bats. This is the second time now, Corey, that Schwarber's garden yard off of a 10-plus pitch at bat. Really impressive. The first, yeah, the first one was, what, 16, 17 pitches, whatever it was, 13? And then this one with uh, being 11? That's the type of at-bat you get. And I was saying, yeah, I'm going to be more patient with Schwarber always, no matter what year it is. We could be talking 2022, and I will be more patient with Schwarber than anyone else because I know he has the trifecta. He has Really good bat to ball skills, high contact rate, high power potential, and he lays, lays off poor pitches. Those three traits, that gets you to be a top 15, 20 hitter in the league. So for, for those to actually come through, through and translate to success, that's why you get so excited about it. And I think having that at the leadoff spot, it's, doesn't scare the pitcher, but having to go through someone like Schwarber to start the game off five, plus pitches right ahead of Chris Bryant, you can't ask for a more formidable top two. I think realistically, given the Cubs do have Javi and they do have Rizzo right behind those two guys. It's difficult for pitches to adjust to right away, and we're seeing the success of it, at least in the the short term here. And going forward, this is what I want. I want Schwarber leading off. I like him playing almost every day. I think it's time. We've come to that point now where we feel comfortable with him hitting lefties too. It's time. We're at the point now where Schwarber is potentially almost an everyday player, and it feels good and Finally, for once, we see Schwarber taking advantage of that opportunity. So it's so fun to watch, and him batting leadoff. It took two years for it to work, I think, and maybe it won't work overall, but I think now... The signs are looking like Joe Madden kind of had her right two years ago. Keep your whole home running like clockwork from the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet. You'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply.
0: Yeah. And just like touching on that, uh, you know, 10 plus pitch at bat, turning it into a home run thing. I, it was a tweet from Brett at Bleacher Nation that, that I, you know, just reminded me, uh, when you were talking about this, where he, he just said like, you know, that that is one of the harshest things you can do. To an opposing pitcher, and it, it it speaks to what you're talking about here, Brendan. That having a guy like that, and Schwarber isn't the only person on the team that can do this. But having someone at the top of that order that can battle with a pitcher, like, you know, like we were saying in, in this particular one in this St. Louis series, he fouls off six pitches in the 11 pitch at bat, ultimately to rip a game tying home run. Like when you have someone at the top of your order that can do that, that can demoralize an opposing pitcher, make them work, make them try everything in their arsenal and still get over on them. That is a powerful tool and and you can really get into the head of an opposing pitcher when you have someone up there that is able to work at bats like that and obviously slug the way that that Kyle can. So it's kind of a unique combination that that Kyle possesses. So, yeah, that that has worked uh, quite well. One one quick question I, I have for you Brendan uh that you know came to us uh from a loyal listener Brent uh and just related to Schwarber you talked about how you know now he's hitting lefties he, he's found himself kind of that everyday playing time at the top of the order and we're seeing the success of it when we look at someone like Almora and and I think that we had kind of expected that maybe he would start seeing a, a, a schedule similar to that. Uh, as his you know his numbers against righties had been better, but then cargo comes over. He starts to take some of those those starts, and we we haven't really seen Almora as often as I think maybe some of us would have expected. Certainly, as, as some of us, uh a, a lot of the people in the at Cubs mentions would like to see him, which I think would be every day. Do you as it relates like Schwarber to Almora? Do you think the lack of the everyday playing time is you know, I know Joe spoke that he, he thinks, you know, that's better for Almora and, and being, you know, still careful about those matchups is the way to go. And we kind of touch on this a little bit, but, what where are you at with someone like Almora in particular as it relates to, you know, now they, they, he's, he's really not getting everyday playing time. Do you think that that's the right approach for him going forward? Or do you think that maybe they should have rode you know, him getting a little hot there and see if he could have pushed through to make those adjustments on on a more close to everyday basis.
1: Well, I mean, Joe and the team, they have the right information to make those decisions. We're, you know, fans and outsiders looking in. I can say I wanted to see Al play a little bit more just because he was showing more power. So it makes you believe what he was doing was more real than being a fluke. Where, you know, last year and even in 2017 during his hot stretches, they didn't really coincide with home runs. We saw that this year. So I wanted to see Al play a little bit more. I'm not going to lie. And I think cargo coming over, it does elongate the lineup in a way that Joe likes just because you have another quality at bat in the middle of the order. So I, I get what Joe is saying there. I still want to see him more, though. I. It's a, it's a delicate situation too, because you know where Joe is coming from, right? Like you still want to give Al some of these optimal matchups and not expose him too much. But at the same time, as we've talked about, I think some of those difficult matchups are better for Al. They've been better for Javi in the past. They've been better for Schwarber even this year. And I think there is an argument to be made. When Al does face those difficult matchups, let's say in the eighth spot or even in the ninth spot, like we saw with Bodhi tonight, they do have a potential benefit in the long term. So you do have to you have to balance the urgency. You need to balance the long term potential for some of these young hitters. I don't know if there's a good answer for it, and I think Joe has a better answer than, of course, we do. But all I can say is, that, yeah, I wanted to see Al play more. I, I I don't know if I was in the same group as the guys last year in 2017 wanting to see Al play more, but because we're seeing that power more so this year, you kind of have to see where that goes, I think. I mean if this is someone who's gonna hit 15 to 20 homers a year with that defense in center field, that's an extremely valuable piece. So I don't I don't know what the answer is. I think Al has looked good even in those few of bats he has gotten and even when he's in the game, we saw it on Sunday, right? He makes that one play over his left shoulder, runs down a ball in the gap, deep in the gap at Wrigley. That's still valuable, and I think even as a late inning replacement, a guy who starts against favorable favorable matchups is still good. I still want to see him a little bit more, Corey.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, I think you're right. It it is a tough a tough spot, you know, especially when you know you do have someone like Schwarber. Taking the reins a little bit there and, and making it sort of impossible for Joe to to keep him out of the lineup. That reduces the number of positions you're really playing with, with the handful of guys that already are everyday starters. You know, uh, Chris, Javi, Anthony, and Wilson, though, obviously. Uh, I, I don't think Albert's going to see any innings at catcher, but you know, you never know. You yeah, never yeah. know with Joe Madden, guys. That's true. But, yeah, it, it's a tough spot. Just something to uh, uh, keep an eye on.
1: I mean, and- what do you want to see? I know, I know. In in a past, and we look. You and I have both been guilty of it. We we opted for some more power potential in mm-hmm. the form of Ian Happ over Almora. We've had the discussion several times. Who would you rather start? And I've said Ian Happ every single time. I think you have as well. And the reason was Happ has thirty plus home run potential. Right. Almora does not. But now that Almora is showing more power potential, it does flip the script a little bit. So, I mean, where are you?
0: Well, I, I think that my my basic sentiment is, you know, we talked on, I think, the last episode that we were intrigued by someone like Cargo and, and what he might be able to do, especially as it relates to some of the other bench options that they have or have already tried in the 2019 season. I'm not sure. I love how often he's starting, though. I'll I'll say that in in earnest. I, I think you want to see what he has if you can catch lightning in a bottle. There, right? We we talked about that, and you know, the, yeah. everyone's comparing him to Jim Edmonds, like that whole thing. I, I'm all for it, right? But I I do think you got. I, I would like to see a little bit better of a balance as it relates to Al still getting some of those opportunities against righties. It feels like. To start here, they've kind of just been like, eh, cargo looks pretty good. Let's just get him out there." And I, 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 I don't know. It it does feel like it's affecting Almora more than anybody else. Hayward's still been out there uh, primarily, and he's been hitting very well. So I, I'm, not, I don't like. <laughs> I'm not knocking that, but yeah, I, I just think that you know, at a certain point, like Cargo might still have some gas left in the tank, and if it if there is, you do want to figure it out if that's the case. But I do think Albert was making strides, and you know you do worry are are you getting in the way of that or whatever. But like you said, I think that Joe has a really good feel on all of this, and uh, you know especially the front office. Like Albert is, I think that uh, has a special place in the heart of this front office. Uh, you know, just given uh, that he was their their first you know draft pick. So I, I think that. They're not going to do anything that, that is going to stunt his development. I think whatever they're doing uh, with all of these guys really is ultimately for the best uh, of their ability and of the team. Um, but I think it, without digging into it too deeply or, or having that special insight that they do, I would like to see Albert a little more, uh, you know, and not necessarily lose too much time to Cargo.
1: But okay, so let's preview the series upcoming in Colorado against the Rockies. And by the way, you can get tickets to that series through SeatGeek. With millions of live event tickets in a price match to guarantee, SeatGeek proves there's a better way. In an industry that tends to stagnate, SeatGeek decided to stand out from the crowd. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? A quick look at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. How's that for customer satisfaction? It's just a better process. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, then it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. Finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive, very easy-to-use seat map. SeatGeek breaks down the details. For example, green dots on that map mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced deals. I use SeatGeek all the time. I just use SeatGeek to purchase tickets to the upcoming Cubs series in Los Angeles by the end of the week, which we will preview on the next episode. SeatGeek will give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. Okay, so on Monday, you Darvish will take the mound in the first game of the three-game set. Darvish is 2-3 and three with a 4.88 ERA on the year. Jermaine Marquez will face the Cubs once again. He's 6-3 with a 4.07 ERA. That game starts at 7.40 p.m. Central Time. So it's going to be a late one for you guys the entire week for those who are in the Midwest and in the Chicago area. On Tuesday, same start time, 7.40 p.m. Central Jose Quintana takes the mound, 4-5 with a 3.77 ERA. He'll face Peter Lambert, 1-0 with a 1.29 ERA. The Cubs faced him in his major league debut. Did not bode too well for the Cubs. They tend to do that against guys whom they've never seen. And then on Wednesday, to finish off the three-game set, Cole Hamels back on the mound for the Cubs, 5-2 with a 3.24 ERA. He'll be facing Antonio Senzatella, who's 5-4 with a 4.95 ERA. That last game of the three-game set starts at two ten p.m. Central Time, and just to give you a a full layout of this West Coast trip, then they will go to Los Angeles for a four-game series, which Corey and I should be at some of those games. We'll take care of it, guys. Uh, We'll try. We'll try. We'll certainly try. We'll try. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And that's that's kind of where we are here. So as it stands, the Cubs are indeed tied for first place with Milwaukee. They're thirty-seven and twenty-seven. Milwaukee's thirty-eight and twenty-eight. The Cardinals now under 500, as you said, Corey, to lead this podcast off. Hate to see it. They're 31 and 32. They're five and a half games back. Pittsburgh is 30 and 34. They are seven games back of the Cubs and Milwaukee. And then the Reds are 29 and 35. They are eight games back of the Cubs and Brewers. And then just to give the complete landscape of the National League, we have Philadelphia, who's 37 and 28. They are in first place of the NL East, and then the Dodgers, of course, are 45 and 21. Another hot start for the Los Angeles Dodgers, and they are 11 games up in that division, so they're hot. The Cubs will face them at the end of the week. They'll be back on Sunday Night Baseball. Another potential playoff preview. This is a very big, important West Coast trip, Corey. So even the Rockies, they're a difficult team. We just saw them. They still have a powerful offense when when everyone is clicking. The Rockies are 33 and 31. And course field plays bizarrely. We saw the Cubs last year. It was the showing of Al Mago when Elmora and Baez were batting one and two last year. They both did extremely well. You might remember Almora making like, I think five diving catches in one game. It was a lot. Interview. Yeah. It was, it was a lot. I mean, course field has huge gaps. So you look for maybe Al to play a little bit more given those gaps. Maybe you see Hayward out in right field in place of cargo. Maybe you don't even see Schwarber for one or two games just because the outfield is so big. So all I'm looking for, honestly, Corey, I'm not going to be too greedy. I just want a competitive series where the Cubs don't get, I hate to say it, but they don't get swept. I mean, this is a, this is a tough, tough, tough road trip. The shifting time zones, it's always difficult to play in Colorado, then Los Angeles back to back. So you just want them to maintain ground. Get back to Wrigley, you know, perform their best, and just not get you know too far behind. I'm a little, gr- you know, I'm always greedy. You want more series wins, but you gotta be realistic at some point.
0: Going into a trip like this, especially Colorado's playing well, LA obviously uh, playing really well right now, you know. And again, like you mentioned, like Colorado's a weird ballpark, and and that's one I think we mentioned this when we were talking about. Was it Arizona? We're just like when I go back to like being a kid. I think I don't. I don't remember this ever going that well. Yeah, it's Arizona. You know? And I was there so, for half those games too. So yeah. You know. So you know, in Colorado has that vibe too. There, there's obviously been some some good moments there and some good games over the years, but just feels like one where it's always some weird stuff. So it's those
1: West on. Coast stadiums. I swear to God, even San yeah. Diego has the same feel to it. I just can't take it.
0: Yeah. So you know, I I think you're right. Like you, you want to have realistic expectations here. You're going up against two good teams. And it's a tough trip, you know, with the, that time zone change. So I think just, you know, performing well is pretty much how, how I would, uh, state that if you can win one of these series, that would be fantastic. If you can put together, look, if they can put together a winning road trip here, I mean, giddy let's go. up. We're going to get back on these <laughs> yeah. podcasts Choo-choo. and we're going to go nuts. Yeah. yeah we are going to go absolutely nuts. <laughs> uh, because this is, this is tough. And, 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 you know, again, you're coming off the heels of a six and one homestand where you played really good baseball uh against that same Rockies team you take care of business against the Cardinals you know coming back getting redemption over them after they swept you uh and and this is a tough trip so I I think yeah keep keeping things in perspective and and knowing that they they did good work before heading out on this trip is is always something to keep in mind I I did think it was funny when in the broadcast on Sunday night, one of the bits that I did hear, the ESPN broadcast, was was like, you know, we'll be back next Sunday uh for what should be another playoff preview with the Cubs and Dodgers. And I'm like, gee, A-Rod, you think, is it a playoff preview yeah, when what the two there, teams, buddy? the two best teams in the National League for the last at least four years, right, they've met in the NLCS twice and... You're thinking that one's a playoff preview? Like, man, no wonder they pay you the big bucks, buddy, because this is some some special insight here. Like, come on, man. <laughs> like So, so like, Corey Friedman, like, not, a, not a fan of A-Rod, I think. No. Like, no hey, we've got the Red Sox and Astros next weekend. I, you know, that might be a playoff matchup. Like, gee, <laughs> you think? <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, anyway. Yeah, we're not done with ESPN. So I can't let up on them yet. We can't just like pretend well, they I'm going I mean, we're we're almost almost to be at the game on Sunday. So I don't I don't have to deal with that. So you know, it is what it yeah. is. Right. But yeah, like, again, it's it's a tough trip. And and that's not and and you know, I, I want to be clear, like that's not going into it with a defeatist attitude. Like I'm not expecting them to lose. I'm not expecting it to be a disaster. But it's just to say it's these are good teams. You know, Colorado is a, a strange ballpark to play in. And LA is really good. Like whether we, you, you guys know how much, how sick that makes Brendan and I. Uh, but so again, it's, it's not to have a defeatist attitude. Like I expect this team to perform well and compete in these games and ultimately have uh, a good trip here. Um, but it's just to say this is the one trip where you, you kind of have to have that, um, you know, you little a note in the back here. of your head
1: you know i think we're scared yeah, too you just
0: got to have that little note in the back of your head like this is a tough trip yeah. they they don't have to fly all the way across the country that often Let's just get through it, and we'll get back to our regularly scheduled programming of, of taking care of business at Wrigley Field, right? Yeah. Um, but as as for anything specific in this Colorado series, I, you know, I think uh, keeping an eye on you is, you know, certainly uh, something that we're, we're going to be doing he's here. He's, he's had a nice run too, here. Yeah. He's looked really good. His stuff. You know, and, and this is something, I mean, obviously we've been saying for a long time that his stuff is there and, and, you know, these last few starts, he's really put it together. He's had some really good outings and you just want him to, to, to continue that. And, and again, obviously Colorado is literally the worst park to, uh, you know, have him try to do that in because he can pitch well and, you know, still some balls can carry on him and, and, and run up that earned run count. Uh, but I, you know, I would say that that's that's really all I'm looking for, and you know, just with the rate that this team is hitting home runs, I I'm hoping that the offense has a dinger party here in Colorado. I think that's their their mascot's name, isn't it? Dinger the dinosaur. Yeah, I think it is. Makes you know total sense. Right? I kind of like when it. everybody thinks of Colorado, they think of I think it's a triceratops. It looks like Barney Man. I don't know. <laughs> however they yeah however they came up with that I I don't know um but I I do always look forward when we send guys like Javi and Schwarber and Chris Bryant and Rizzo to Colorado I mean, just may because, hit one out of
1: the stadium way the waysmith Yeah let
0: us hit some tanks yeah, all right like at the very least that's let's, let's hit some tanks but yeah i think uh you know we're we're going to be there for some of these games in LA and Brennan and I will do our best to uh TC there yeah, so I think that is all we have for you—an eventful podcast here, Brendan. We've got a, a sweep of the Cardinals. We were we're talking fried chicken and cowboy hats. And, uh, the professor with just a, a really wonderful summer lecture series that we are all very lucky to, uh, be a part of. And I'm, I'm very glad I signed up for that class. I, I have for the last few years, as we all have. Um, but you know, it's one that I'm, I'm very glad I, I am keeping on the schedule. But college and, and education related puns aside, we will be back with you to, uh, discuss what happened in Colorado. And uh we will take you through those games and you know everything that happens in between keeping an eye as Craig Kimbrell ramps up his schedule here the cubs saying that he looked a little ahead of schedule His stuff looked really good he was in really good shape so I think he's going to throw uh another bullpen in Chicago and then head on out uh to you know do some uh, work maybe in Mesa and then we'll see you know when he ends up uh maybe in a minor league stint and ultimately up in that Cubs bullpen but as always, we thank you guys very much for listening and and your participation. Uh, again, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio. I think I said Spotify already. Spreaker. anywhere you listen to your podcast. And if we're not on that particular medium that you prefer, just let us know. I am at cfcubsrelated on Twitter. Brendan is at cubsrelated. Our Instagram is at cubs underscore related. I am the one you would be talking to there. So there are many ways to contact us. You can find both of us at cubsinsider.com. Again, we thank you guys for listening and go
2: Cubs!